I'm Shell. And, and this, this is, is the Pineapple, Pineapple Podcast. Podcast. We own a women's only gym in Newcastle, Australia. We exist to create communities that foster a deep sense of belonging and self-worth. We have combos and aha moments with women all the time. The Pineapple Podcast is a place where we can take those conversations further and invite you all into our sacred space with a huge dose of fun, vulnerability and laughs. Welcome back to the podcast. We are excited. We start this podcast every time saying we're excited, but um, especially excited this morning as I um, will introduce our guest. But this guest and I have spent many a time shooting the breeze and I'm very excited to be able to record it with Brit and um, bring this to you because, yeah, but we will have to be very conscious of the time because I could easily <laughs> share the airways with the lovely Nerida Bint. For a long time. I, I feel like oftentimes when we catch up, it's like, right, we both need to go in 10 minutes, like an hour later. We're like, okay, yes. we've got to go. <laughs> Thank you so much. What a warm welcome. It's so good to be here. So, Nez, um, we're going to have a bit of a, a chat about, I guess, how we um, have connected with you in the past and what you're doing now. But your business name is Nerida Bint Coaching. Yep. And you're an emotional intelligence coach for female leaders, business owners, and entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So I... Before before we dive deep into this, I want to just start with our low and our high, mm. but then I'd love to just hear, you know, what that actually means and you to give us an explanation of um, what you do. But before we do that, give me, uh, we'll start with the low of the week and if you mm. want to start. Yeah, I love this because I actually play this game with my niece and nephew quite a bit, oh. so I really love this. I think it's a beautiful way to connect and to sort of, you know, dive in and and. Uh, understand a person more deeply. Yeah. So I would say I just got back from the Sunshine Coast and um, we farewelled my grandmother, mm. the matriarch of our family, 92 years. <sighs> wow. And I think it was interesting because the the funeral was at the exact same place of a funeral I had to attend last year, um, pretty much only a year ago for yeah. a much younger person. Mm. And it was just interesting, I think, like not only was it really sad to grieve the loss of our grandmother but there were only maybe 15 people there and I remember being there last year and there would have been 600. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, isn't it sad that she's outlived everybody, (laughs) she's lived such a long, beautiful life and Mm. not that the number of people that are there to celebrate you is an indication of the quality of that life. No. But as we were carrying out her casket, I just was overwhelmed with that, like how empty it was and I just felt like that was, Mm. yeah, it was was sad. But um, I'm welling up now. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I know. I just felt, I was I just remembered um because my brother one of his friends was killed mm. and um it was a tragedy mm. and I just remember people heaving outside yeah. and I just yeah I think that struck me. I was a little bit like oh wow there's not that many people here to farewell her. Mm. Um and then I would say my high was the celebration being with family like mm. listening to her life listening yeah. to the stories of her 92 years yes. like a lot of stories yes like listening to the way her life was like yeah. back in those days she yeah. was born in 1931 wow so that was really beautiful so mm. that was my high Aww. it's um so interesting often the highs and the lows centre around one event. Yes, like I find that when I'm yes. reflecting on things, especially mm, really significant yeah. things, there's, yeah. there's each week we often find our high and our low mm, in the same yeah, Especially scenario. when they're chunky. Yeah. Like if it's like, you know, my 
daughter like, wouldn't brush her hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Different. But isn't that beautiful? Two things can be true at the same time. They can and be. I think that's what a lot of people get stuck in, especially with this emotional work. We, we live in a society that's so black and white. It is. You're right or yeah. wrong, yes or no, it's got to yeah. be this way, got to be that way, where actually there are so many situations where you can feel really beautiful, uplifting and loving emotions mm. and also feel Sad, deeper sadness, anger, anger yeah. all those emotions we, too, and that's okay. That, what you just articulated then, is... Like what? Like that? If I was to pinpoint the change in my life, like mm, understanding mm, that that concept, so, yeah. so significant. Um, so my low of the week, or and it's been going on for a while, and it's not. Yeah. Anyway, it's just been really tricky with Dot. Um, mm. <laughs> she's Shell's four year old. Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say she's <laughs> turning five on Thursday, mm. um, and it's just. You know, they often say that children are sent to challenge you and mm. teach you what you wouldn't learn mm. as without. easily without them. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just, yeah, it's, uh, there's a few things going on for her and so supporting her and really showing up for her mm-hmm. and wanting to be there to, to really sit beside her as she's feeling big emotions. She's got a sore tummy. She's got a bunch of things going on and we're mm. working with a naturopath and there are some deficiencies that we're working on. But just in a moment to have her like, screaming I hate you mm. in your like Bonnie yeah, who is my really almost hard. 12 year old mm. has never even uttered those words and yeah. I know like I know that in that moment that that e- even though she's screaming it and saying it mm. it's not what she means yeah. and says mm. a myriad of other horrible things mm. and then it's anyway it's just it's interesting watching myself and then mm. Whether I've been, like, if I've been caring for myself and if I've got the capacity, that's what makes the outcome different. Mm-hmm. Whether I can of hold course. space for her or I just, like, <laughs> blow up in her face. So, anyway, that's felt tricky. I, I don't want to call it a low because it's life and I'm happy to be there in yeah. it with her, but that's what's felt tricky for yeah. me mm. in the past, particularly the past couple of weeks. But, mm. um, yeah, and then my high has to be, like, as we're sitting here recording this now, we had our Christmas party mm. on Friday. So and fun. St- like, so, it's just so, f- it's so fun. It's a fun thing. But what I love is, again, what we're going to touch on a little bit today um, is people take stock of the year mm. and uh, you just got the time and space to actually mm. talk about it and just to hear how people have committed to themselves. And, yes, we've created a space where they yeah. um, can feel safe, I hope, mm. and, and vulnerable and able to show up, but just to see the impact that that then has on them physically and mentally, but that then out in their lives mm. and how that feels different. And that been riding that high mm. pretty hard for the last mm. couple of days. It's just mm. I just feel so um, blessed to be part of it. But they're just inspiring. Like they mm. they say thank you to us. Mm. Like we're the ones. But mm. I'm like you guys did. You showed up for you. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. that's that's my love. My that. talk about you, Britt. Mine's uh, similar to your high and my low, which I'll start with, with is just this time of year is mm. just a lot. Yeah. Like yeah. personally for me, we've just finished a five-month renovation. Mm. The party's over, which is a lot of work. So much fun, but a lot of work. You do such an amazing effort, Britt. People say, I just want to say again, any local people who are pineapple clients, do not thank me. I can thank You can thank me and I'll pass it on to Britt, but Britt... Like you think of the theme, you get it all happening, you do it all, you do all the stressing about it too, and then I get to show up and you know, be the goal scorer. <laughs> but I'm just publicly saying again, thanks. You thanks, do an amazing Shel. job. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, so mentally, you know that calm down you get when big things are accomplished. Mm-hmm. Like you just want to yeah. sit down now and yeah. just go. 
oh my gosh, my house yeah. is nearly finished. The party's over. The year's wrapping up. Can we stop now? But we've still got three more weeks <laughs> <Yes>. to go. <laughs> You'll enjoy that holiday when you get when I it will, comes. I will. So it's just that, so good. you know, calm down that I'm feeling mm. um, after big events. Yeah. But also just acknowledging as females the pressure that we put on ourselves mm. this month. And, yep. you know, we're all in it together. If you're feeling the mental load, yeah. wrapping up your kids end of year, wrapping up your work, you know, wrapping up everything that you need to do before Christmas. We're here with you. We feel it. And make sure you take care of yourself. Yes. Love that. Uh, my low and my high has to be the party. As much as yeah. work it is, it's such an incredible night. And I love seeing it all come together. I love everyone being there and mm. having a great time. Um, the weather was incredible. We had a perfect summer's evening at Dixon Park Surf Club there. Um, overlooking the beach, water, incredible. And as Shell said, just people that don't normally get to see each other because they train in different parts of Pineapple, mm. connecting, chatting, and realising that we're all here to train, but above that, we're all here to feel like we belong. Yes, so, I love that so yeah. much. Community. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, which is a good segue into, so, Nez, you um, owned a gym, La Somme. Mm-hmm. Um, was it for 10 years? Yeah, so when we closed, when I sold the gym, we'd I'd had it just over eight years. Yeah, so I ran so. the boot camp outdoors for about six months. Yeah, um, Newcastle was eight years. Maitland was three years. Mm. Mm. Such a yeah, such an awesome. I, I really enjoyed our relationship blossoming mm. as we're both business yeah. owners in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so tell me, life uh, not life, but your career, I guess, which is life, has shifted to coaching, but mm. of a different nature. So I guess I'm really interested, and maybe mm. you have some questions too, Britt, about was it super intentional, like, right, I'm going to wrap up the gym and then I'm going to move into this, or was it a bit more organic or what happened? And how, like, you as Nerida, the person, Mm -hmm. like, how was there changes in you that then Mm -hmm. made that happen? 100%. Big questions, but, you know, just wanting to understand the journey. Yeah, so um, I had, you know, I opened up Newcastle and loved it. Like for the first time in my life, really felt like I'd found my thing. You know, I loved every bit of it. Yes, there were challenges. Obviously, you two know how hard the journey is Mm -hmm. in small business. But for the most part, I was like, wow, I've really like for someone who grew up like I grew up, you know, in, you know, quite poor. And I remember thinking to myself, my very first job was a, I was a checkout chick for a Wool, for Woolworths. And I remember, Me too. Did you wow, yeah, no, yeah. I didn't. <laughs> that was my first job. And I remember thinking to myself, if I could get a, a role here as a department manager, that would be, that would be probably the best I could ever do. Like wow. I looked at that as like my progression and mm-hmm. the most I could ever achieve. I, I honestly yeah. grew up as a person never thinking I was really worth any sort of leadership role or, or anything. Mm. Um, so, so when come to, like I had the business, loved it. I decided to expand, and the goal was to open up. You know, I wanted to open up three centres on my own, and then I wanted to franchise the business. So weirdly, as soon as I sort of put that out there that I wanted to franchise the business, I had some guys that were already franchisees come to Newcastle in the November of 2019 to then talk to me about coming into business with me and potentially franchising La Somme and taking it all around Australia. So we were going back and forth, super exciting. Mm. You know, I was really passionate about the people side of things and the culture and the values, but I wasn't all that interested in the systems, processes, financials, and like how to grow the business. I knew I needed to team up with someone to do that. 
So we were back and forth talking prices, talking money, talking legals, all of it, and then there were these whispers of this pandemic. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Typical. <laughs> Typical. So January, I remember, like, they kind of came to me and they were like, hey, have you heard about this China virus? And I was, like, rolling my eyes, like, Same. whatever. <laughs> yep. Then all of a sudden, that, it, that just sort of cooled things a little bit. And then February, they were j- closing gyms in um, the US. Yep. And then all of a sudden, March 20, 2020, we were closed. Yep. I remember our business coach came to us and he went, They've shut down the NBA. This yeah. is coming to Australia soon. This is, yeah, this is real. Like, that was his, yeah. like, that was, yeah. Before that, we didn't think it was going to be. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. We were just yeah. like, whatever. Of course, everyone was. Like, yeah. no one could see what was coming. No way. So, of course, that was the beginning of everything. Now, at the same time, not directed, like, not directly linked to, but I was actually going through a relationship breakdown with my partner who was also involved in the business. Wow. So, I went from... February, like I remember like February being a really good month and like living my best life, thinking this was going to happen and we, I thought I was in love and we were going to get married and have kids to end of March, like living in an Airbnb. I remember looking up at the like the ornate ceiling and like broken up with my partner. My account, business was closed. My accountant said to me, I think you're going to go bankrupt. Like there's no way you're going to be able to cover. Goosebumps. Yeah. Like, to be. like I had two sites. Like my yeah. rent was huge and my staff wages. And I remember just thinking, how can this be happening? Yeah, like, so I just quickly didn't even, as well. It yeah. was overnight. Mm. I, I remember just being in so much shock. So that was what I would call my awakening, like the beginning of the dark night of the soul because I remember for the first time, and this is so interesting because I had been, like I'd been to Tony Robbins here before, like I had always been this person who I'd looked at and thought of myself as someone who was very interested in self-development, mm. very accountable to myself, like look, always looking at ways I could grow. And the relationship, that breakdown and how confusing it was and how out of the blue I thought it was because I just yeah. didn't see the signs the because I yeah. was just completely out of tune yeah. with myself. Um, I remember looking, thinking to myself, why, does, like, why is this not working out for me? Like what is it about me that's not able to make this relationship happen? Mm. And um, that just was the beginning of like, you know how there's that quote, like, you know, you have two lives and the second one begins when you realise you only have one? Yes. <laughs> That's what that moment was for me. And yeah. then weirdly we had this lockdown. I moved into a little apartment by myself. So I was alone in lockdown, couldn't see anyone really, and it just meant that I had to process. Yeah. Like I had to go through all this stuff and it was a healing time, you know. I did would... your Great Awakening cause this? Like it's like, <laughs> did you imagine? No, sorry. I don't, yeah. It was a crazy time. No. <laughs> so I'm like reading books, listening to podcasts, like crying every day. Just, But it was it was such a beautiful time too. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at it like. A healing. Journey. It was the first time I had to show up for myself. Like I really yeah. showed up for myself. But how, how good is that that you chose that path? Mm. Like, you know, you could have sat in there and just. Oh, I had days like that when I did that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But like you know, but the truth yeah. could have yes. stayed in that. Yeah. yeah, you chose to show up for yourself in that time and, and yeah. inwards rather than go, yeah. well with me." Yeah, because it felt like it was at that time. It definitely, and I definitely did have those moments. Like there were those moments where I projected onto my ex, and I was like, "Yeah, he was this, he was that," and then I would swing back and forth. So like Mm. I'd swing between my highest self and my ego constantly. (laughs) But for the first time, I noticed myself coming back into my highest self more and more. You know what I want to say to people: this journey is not linear. Like it's like (laughs) the fitness journey, right? Just because you miss one day at the gym doesn't mean you just quit the gym forever. You know that you've got to get back in there and go again so it was this battle and I still have it I'm a human being I Mm. still go between the two but it was the first time I really looked at myself and I realized I had some work to do on myself and how I was so disconnected from who I really was 
Um, and so that was the beginning of my emotional healing, I would say. Like it was the beginning of me really becoming, I remember, so I remember because <clears throat> I desperately wanted to get married and have kids and I still do, but I remember like Googling, like what is it that men look for in a woman they want to marry? Like that's how lost I was. I was yeah, Googling right. like how do I become a woman? Seeking it out. So, yeah. yeah, and I remember it, this common answer saying men need to feel emotionally connected to a woman. And I remember thinking to myself, what does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> And that was the beginning of me. That was really the catalyst for me doing this work on myself emotionally because I realised I was so disconnected to myself emotionally. Not once did I ever sit with myself and recognise I was feeling sad or I was feeling angry, I was feeling lonely, I was feeling scared, I was feeling any of these things. I was just so detached. Living to, out of your body, which is 100% no. out of my body, yeah, which is okay. interesting considering I owned a gym, yeah, which all, was all about being mm. in the body. Um, And I was very disconnected. I was in my wounded masculine. I was disconnected from my feminine energy and essence, which I would argue a lot of women today are, and that's why they feel so lost. So I was working. I was, you know, in an energy where I was in my masculine energy a lot, not only at work but also at home. I was the one driving the relationship, making decisions, you know, leading, Mm -hmm. and that's why I was so burnt out. Yeah. And that's why I, I became so critical of my partner. Like I remember him saying to me, because it was really hard. He didn't even know what was going on. He was shutting down. I was angry at him for shutting down, but obviously I wasn't able to see that I was not a safe space for him to open up. Mm. This is something I I really think a lot of people do. A lot of people Mm. think, I just want you to open up, but I just want you to communicate with me, but we don't ask ourselves, am I a safe space for them to open? Mm. We don't realise all the tiny ways that we, you know, verbally and physically judge and criticize and dismiss and invalidate the people that we love rolling our eyes a sigh a huff turning away not making eye contact trying to fix people Mm. trying to tell them they shouldn't feel this way it's not a big deal like it's so-and-so has it so much worse there are so many ways we we do that and the way that we do that for others is the same way we do this internally Mm. so I remember him saying to me at the time when we were talking about it he said I feel like I'm not good enough for you and I remember thinking, well, if I'm so, if I'm such a good woman, why do you not yeah. want to be with me, <laughs> right? I thought he meant I was too good for him. But actually what he said was, I feel like I'm not never good enough for you. Mm. And it wasn't until six months later the relationship had ended and I had sort of, and the reason why I was now looking back I can understand, the reason I was unable to look at myself and understand that was because my fear and my shame was so high I couldn't see what was being said really. Wow. That's the one thing that stops us from healing, our fear Mm. and our shame. So my shame was so big, so great, I could not see him, I could not understand what he was really trying to tell me. And six months later I was at a barbecue with some friends and this beautiful couple that I love and I've been friends with for years, and he was a bit of a ladies' man before he met her. And they had a bit of a tumultuous beginning, but they finally got together and they're pretty happy. And I said to him, what is it that made you decide she was the one? And he said to me, Nez, Soph was the first woman that I ever met that I knew was too good for me, but never made me feel that way. And it was like, wow, I just, it was this huge epiphany where I realized all the moments of me criticizing him, judging him, pushing him away, like all these moments just came flooding back to me in that moment that I hadn't been able to see six months prior or even a year prior. Mm. And, of course, I sent him a message and I was just so, like, it was it really hit me. Mm. I was like, wow, I have played such a huge part in this. 
And that was the beginning of me really understanding like how much judgment I had within me, how much criticism, like how much I used criticism to try and control other people rather than tapping into what was going on for me because I was so scared. Um, what were some of what were some of the things that you were doing? Because mm. you're speaking a lot about mm. like externally, and there was external mm. motivators to turn like you know, mm-hmm. which then led you to turn inwards. So yep. I guess just wanting some practical application mm-hmm. just as we're mm. unpacking this here because it's so interesting. Yep. And I'm sitting here mm. already nuggets, of, of course. Gold. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I guess just thinking, trying to be in the minds of people listening, mm. like how yeah, from where we've said you were to where you are. Mm. And, you know, I guess we haven't even got to where you are, but mm. the journey of, like, yeah, yep. what were some of the things that you were doing to yep. support you as you were unravelling? And Oh, okay. So what was, not the things I was doing in the relationship, but things I was doing post yeah, the relationship. Yeah, I guess for you. Like, yeah. so when, you know, you've just, like, on reflection, you yep. had that conversation at the barbecue. Mm. And I guess what I see time and time again mm. in myself, but also people around me, you look externally for the problems and mm. then you look externally for the answers. Mm. So... I guess what, yeah, was there someone or was there a particular thought no. leader or someone? Is, was it just? I did, like, people say this to me all the time. People ask me, what are your qualifications? Zero. <laughs> Everything is self-taught. Mm. But it was so interesting because I, I laugh, right, because when I had the gym, you know, <laughs> I was like the worst gym owner ever. <laughs> well, you did pretty well. <laughs> you you know, from me. <laughs> it, like, everyone used to crack up because they'd ask me, like, what's this block of programming about? And I'd be like, I've got no idea. <laughs> what, what's this technique? Like, I learnt just enough to, to run a class and to, like, but Ash was like, and Ash would come to me and she'd be like, oh, my God, I've listened to this podcast by Dr. Huberman about this, this and this and about strength training. I'd be like, oh, cool. Like, I had zero interest in strength and conditioning and, like, I loved I loved the community aspect yeah. and the way that it brought people together, but the vehicle for it, I was not in love with. Like I, I could not care less. I would, my eyes would glaze over if you made me read. Like I almost failed my cert three and four. You know, that's how terrible I was. I was a terrible gym owner, but I was, I was someone that knew to bring in the right people. Sure. So in the end, I was coaching one class a week. I was just like, yeah. I, I knew I needed the people around me, and I was the person that made it all happen. But. In terms of actual fitness and, like, that sort of stuff, I had zero, not much interest in. But when it came to this, I was all in. Like, I read a book a week easily. I listen to one to two to three podcasts per day. Wow. I, yeah, like, I consume so much content in this field because it's like a switch has been flipped. Yeah. And I cannot get enough insatiable. I've spent, yeah, I reckon I've spent $100,000 over the last five years on my healing, like, going to retreats. Going to workshops, seminars. Like, I don't, like, there are so many people out there I've learned from that I love. Sure. But I wouldn't say I'm not, I haven't, and don't, oh, sorry, don't get me wrong, there are lots of mentors that yes. I have leaned on and worked with 100%. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, most of my healing has come from within. Most of it has been radical ownership and acceptance of what I'm not seeing. Mm. What am I not seeing here? And do you know what it constantly is? How is this a person, a reflection of me right now? You know, I was criticizing him. But really, all the things I was criticising in him and judging in him were the things that, I like, you know, people do this all the time, right? They point the finger and they project, but really it's something about them that we're always speaking to ourselves. Yeah. So, you know, I was angry at him for not, you know, doing more and leading more, but deep down I wanted to rest. It was actually about me wanting to, like, trust and surrender and sit mm. back more and rest. Like he was, I remember watching him. He'd, he'd come home from night shift. He had another job too. And he would like lay on the lounge for like a couple of hours and I'd be so angry at him. I would, I would in my mind judge him for being lazy when deep down 
because I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. I really wanted to lay on the lounge and rest. I was just not allowing myself because I was staying so busy because I was running from my trauma. Yeah. This is something I see a lot of women do. They, and it's so funny, right? There are ways that we numb and distract and avoid our trauma, and some of them are glamorized in society. Yeah. Some of them are demonized. Mm. So the things that are demonized are things like alcohol, drugs, sex, porn, mm. gambling, you know, mm. all those addictive behaviors. But there are also ways we play out those addictive behaviors high achieving, over exercising, yeah. being obsessive about food, you know, all these cleaning. things. Cleaning, yeah. just staying so busy mm. that you never sit still. Mm. And, and women love to think, well, I'm productive or I'm achieving or I'm this or that. But great and and it's like anything right don't let the you know don't let your strengths negate your weaknesses like it's great that you want to achieve but if I said to you tomorrow you had to like that was all taken away from you you had to sit still you had to be on your own for a day how and not do anything how would you be mm-hmm. would you be okay with that mm-hmm. if if you were hit by a bus and you could not exercise for six months how would you be, would you be okay? Yeah. Would you what is the way you would talk to yourself? What would your inner voice be playing out? It's a really good um I guess test of that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's, it's sometimes probably hard for people to discern. Like, well, mm. no, I just really like a clean house mm. or I just really like a mm. whatever that And that's great. Like. If you like a clean house but when it isn't clean, how, do, how are you? That's what I mean. That's a good can test. You, you know? Can you actually let go yeah. and be okay with that? Yeah. I've really worked on that myself. Like I ideally love it when my house and my car and everything's clean and in order but also there are times when I come home. Like yesterday I was away for the weekend. I was absolutely shattered. I didn't sleep well every night that I was away. My house was a bit of a mess and mm. I just sort of said to myself, I'm going to be okay with it being a mess and I'm going to rest this afternoon and I'm going to watch Netflix and I'm going to just, that's, tom- yeah. that's a tomorrow job yeah. and that's okay. That's or maybe it. or maybe the next day. Yeah, yeah and exactly. but it's like a conscious thing. It's an yeah. intentional act of like, yeah. you know, I can put that aside. Like do I have the energy for that right now or not? No, actually it's better for me to lay down and sleep mm. and that can wait for tomorrow. That's a yeah. huge lesson that I'm still learning, mm. I think. Like someone said to me not that long ago, you have to have all your ducks in a row to feel mm. okay. Like mm-hmm. and what I'm working on at the moment is being okay without all the ducks mm. in the row. Like you know, yeah. let the ducks go to the pond yeah. and still <laughs> yeah. be okay. It's not tied to my self worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like internally, you are mm. safe within your own self yeah. without everything so externally being okay. But yeah. it's still something I'm working on. Yeah, and it is. Yeah. It's a lifelong journey. Like there is no end point, and yeah. you know, it, it'll be a new level, new devil. Like as you let go of that that lower level stuff, mm. something bigger will come along mm. that you can't control essentially it's all about control yeah it is it is and why do we control because we felt we feel powerless yeah so Mm. that's again why this emotional intelligence piece is so important because people don't realize I ask people all the time how do you want to feel and the first thing they say is well I don't want to feel like this anymore (laughs) yeah and it's like well you're talking about that so much you keep creating that you so are you okay like are you actually okay with recognizing wow I'm trying to control so much in my life why? Because mm. I'm actually scared. Yeah. I'm actually deep down fearful. 100%. I don't trust myself. I agree with that, yeah. And that's okay. That's okay to recognise that. Yeah. Okay, well, how can I build on trusting myself more? How mm. can I learn to show up for myself and build that mm. rather than having the external to look a certain way to get that feeling of trust? I, because yeah. it never does work. I like to post you put up, I don't know whether it was yesterday or the other day, but it was talking about... Like I'm someone who always like, why do I feel this way? Why why am I showing up like this? But I think I won't get it yes. right. There's something about the post saying 
instead of trying to figure out why you felt like this, just take radical responsibility for mm-hmm. ch- like changing your reality. And mm-hmm. that, I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, that mm-hmm. hit. Because <laughs> figuring out why doesn't actually ne- like let go. Like even when I figure out, when I work out with people through their emotional home and we get to that piece where it's like this is why you feel that way, Yes, there is some realisation and there Ooh, is yeah, some yeah. relief, but it doesn't actually change, change the, the emotion. <laughs> it doesn't actually mean that you stop feeling that way. Yeah. But that is because we go into our mind. Mm. So we go into our, there's a beautiful quote, we go into our mind when, it is too, when we are too afraid to be in our heart. So our heart is our feeling space, our emotions, our our beingness, and our head is our doing, thinking, analysing and, like, you know, organising, right? And I see this a lot. People have to analyse and zoom out because they're so afraid to feel mm. because if they had to feel the grief, if they had to feel the sadness, if they had to feel the anger fully, that terrifies the shit out of them. And that's mm. how I was. I remember six months before the breakup, I remember getting up in the middle of the night and going to the toilet and I remember having this wave come over me of like, wow, is this really as good as life gets? Wow. I I remember feeling really miserable. And then I remember thinking, you really have some stuff to look at here. Like you really need to go and get some help and start working through this. And immediately I was like, "Uh uh-uh, no, can't do it now. Too scary. Shut down, yeah. And it's like the door knocking, right? Like it's that I, I looked away at that moment so life just got Harder yeah. and harder and harder until to, I was so forced to look forced at it. To yeah. go there. And I did. Yeah. So let's recap. You're thinking you're going to franchise your gym. Yes. Yep. COVID hits. Breakup happens. Yeah. You're in your apartment mm-hmm. on your own. Mm-hmm. What happens next? Yeah. So I go through this huge um, process yeah. of like rediscovering who I was. And then I started to really unlearn a lot of things about myself. Now, you would remember how difficult that chapter was. The gyms Mm. were closed. They were open, Open, closed, open, or restriction after restriction. And they kept changing, like navigating the the restrictions and the confusion. And the community. Three people in the park. Yeah. So I went from being someone who was a very enthusiastic and energetic person to someone who was very depleted. Like you guys, I'm sure, were the same, like mm-hmm. emotionally. And I remember going up to Maitland um, Grocer and walking in and just seeing the owner. I knew him quite well. And I was like, how are you going? And he just looked at me like with this look of like, and I was like, wow, I think every business owner in Australia is feeling that right yeah. now. Like it was just such a. I even and, just had a physical response yes, to, to yes. being back There's in that so moment. much trauma yeah. through that time. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, you had to manage the community. People were coming to me asking me all these questions mm-hmm. and you know, you're managing your staff. Like there's so much uncertainty, right? Yeah. So it was a huge like. And the bills don't stop. That's right. And and we, you know, people are like, but didn't the government give you? And it's like, no, we had no. to pay every dollar of that back. Yeah. 100%. When I sold the gym, so much of my that money went straight to, you know, like they couldn't kick us out, which yeah. was great, but we had to pay every cent of that. Mm. So, yeah, so throughout that time I really lost the love of it. Like I, and what was really challenging for me was, you know, one of my core values was community. Mm. I remember Brene Brown said, "You are your values only when you choose to stick by them, even in the heart, in, <laughs> even in the eyes of, you know, everyone criticizing you and, and condemning you." Yeah. And it's interesting, right? Because what that looks like for everyone's so different, and I just want to honor that. But for me, when it came to that point on October October eleventh, and they said, "You can only reopen your business to vaccinated clients, and anyone that's not vaccinated needs to be, you know, can't come in." That was a huge turning point for me because I was really forced to look at myself mm-hmm. and ask myself, what will I do? And and I felt the weight of everyone around me and I felt the judgment of it too. I felt I, you couldn't please everyone, right? It was just such a horrible yeah. time. 
I made the decision not to reopen until everyone could come back because to me that's what community looked like. Other people argued that community meant that I should use my position as a leader within the community to encourage people to get vaccinated and I made the decision that did not feel right for me. I wanted people to make their own choices, like I wanted to make my own choice and I wanted my staff to and I wanted for people to have anonymity as well around their status. So I decided that we would reopen when everyone could come back. Now, that decision financially broke me Hmm. because what happened was I lost 80% of my business overnight. Wow. So, but you know what? I I remember sitting, I remember, I remember the day before with Ash, like sitting at the beach and just, we were like, what are we going to do? Like, because, you know, so many other businesses I know reopened to everyone, but just didn't check and this and that. But for me, we had the police coming around every day. You know, we had the police because I was such a high-profile person and I was really challenging the status quo around that whole topic. So the police, I just didn't think that that was an option, Mm -hmm. like to just open my business to everyone and just let them come in as they felt. So, and there's no judgment for whoever did whatever, but I remember that moment, like asking us, what are we going to do? And I remember thinking to myself at that point, I said, Ash, I would rather close my business than ever do that. And essentially that's what I did (laughs) in a very roundabout way. Because the decision I made led to it being so hard that I had, you know. Mm. So we lost so much of our business overnight. But I look back at that moment and I would not change a thing. I would not change a thing. I am proud of myself and I know I stuck to what felt in the gut right for me. So we reopened and then we battled. We tried so hard. We did we did okay and then I just remember th- and I was sort of starting to throughout the pandemic I was weirdly like sharing a lot of quotes and posts and writing stuff and I was really curious about all this work so people just started resonating and people just started asking me for coaching so I just started coaching people so I was sort of doing that part-time and then I thought Do you know what I'm just going to close the gym because it's too much and my account said to me why don't you try and sell it and I remember thinking to myself, would, why would anyone want to buy a gym after all this bullshit? She said to me, you'd be surprised. And so weirdly, I did. And I got a good price for it. And, you know, it was a good, it, like the process was another learning lesson for me. Mm. And so it was so interesting. I went through that process and then I decided through that process I would coach full time. And so it was like this handing over the baton like halfway through Sold it and then I went full-time doing this coaching. And sold both, Maitland and Newcastle. Sold both of yep. them. Sold both of them and then the girl I sold it to had a really rough time. She owned a gym in Sydney as well. And then at, at the week, the day that she was meant to take over both sites, she lost her main manager in Sydney who worked for, like, coached 30 classes a week. Wow. He went down the road, took a whole bunch of members with him. So, and then she lost two staff within the Lassom business. So she decided to close Newcastle, focus on Maitland. Yeah. So she had her own challenges um, that made it difficult, but I was able to walk away. I was really proud of that. I've heard of so many gyms since that have just closed down without being yeah. able to sell. Same. And yeah. I think that's so heartbreaking. Um, and I was able to sell someone that I really liked as yeah. well. It's like we had a, a friendship. It's also a testament to what you'd built. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, even though you've had the great awakening kind of like mm. towards the end there's still when I see you know it's like you're someone who like does have values and you stand up for them and I think that 
integrity mm. sits in a business too and makes yeah. it, you know, you can build back from yeah. from things. So that's just yeah. know, from an outside looking. Yeah, in. thank it's, you. And and you know what? I am really proud of Lasom. Like it was really interesting because when I started to put it out there to my broker that I wanted to sell, he sort of brought a few potential buyers in and no one wanted to keep the name and that really hurt my ego. <laughs> but Why? yeah, because people associated Lasom to me oh, okay. and they were like, right. you're just too much of a risk. Like we need right. you to leave yeah. and we need we yeah. want to run this, you know, right separate. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that was a real interesting ego death for yeah, me. I was okay. like, yeah, I get it. Um, so it was really, that was a funny process. But, yeah, like it was. Like I was really proud of the business that I handed over, yeah. the women, the culture, like and the values. Like yeah. those eight years, you rode it so well. Like Thank you. You did an incredible job and of running a women's you. only. Like it was yeah. such an incredible community to yeah. watch from the outside. And even back like, in the day you. when we were a boot camp, yeah, Cold buff I girls. It. Yes. Just so when you're um, you were over in Ties Hill, you we would rent your space like for an yes, hour, a few mornings a yes. week, like over that. And I just remember, I think as we, I was getting into running my own business then too, just really being um, so excited that there was other business owners mm. out there that were collaborative mm. rather than combative. Yeah, mm. that's it. Yeah, I was going to explain that way long. Mm. Very, yeah. And so yeah. just, I guess, from that, mm. you know, uh, which I don't even know when that was. Like, that must have been like yeah. 2015, 2016, yes. something like that. Yeah. So. And that's something I've always tried to emulate. Like, I've always believed that saying that a rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah, so for me, like, we yeah. actually have more in common than not. And, yeah. you know, I love that throughout the years there's been so many gyms where we might have lost a member but we can send them on to another gym. Like yeah. we can actually call that owner up and say, hey, Absolutely. I've got someone who wants something a bit different or needs a different timetable or whatever it is or they've just had enough and they want to change, I'm going to send them over to you. Like yeah. I love that because I really believe that every time you put that out, it comes back to you. And it's been interesting as I've transitioned into this new industry, it's it's so interesting to watch how it's how I've triggered women other coaches because I've wanted to work with other because co- I still get coached right yeah I always good, good have a mentor co- good coaches have coaches yeah. yeah so for me like I've joined group programs and I've had a few people sort of ring me and say oh like you actually do the same work like that doesn't feel very comfortable to me what if you take my work oh, wow. and it's so interesting and I'm like wow well I've already actually referred another three people to come and join this program with me so I'm not about that I believe mm. that if you like what you do is so different to what I do mm. and yes I want to learn about it for my own healing and it was great like in the end I was able to join the program like it brought up this interesting co- conversation mm. and it's just so interesting it can be triggering but if you're willing to look at it and ask yourself what is this person's presence bringing up in me? Yeah, what is the fear coming yeah, from? Yeah, because I am, like, if I believe in your business, I'm your biggest cheerleader. Mm. Yeah. And I don't believe that you be, like, there are fucking 750,000 people that live in Newcastle. <laughs> I know. You enough. only need 100 or 200 yeah. of them. Like, this is, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, this stop is, focusing on the competition and start focusing on your power. Yes, Carrington's anyway. becoming a bit of a mecca. It's becoming like the new Warner's Bay or yes. Adamstown of gyms. And I have people say to me, like, aren't you worried? And I'm like, I'm actually not. Like, even if, We're all different, but even if we were doing the exact same things, Mm. like if we stay in our own lane, be Mm. true to our values, who Brit and I are Mm. are going to attract a person. And the fact that we're able to then be so many of us Mm. means that, you know, that rising tide of focusing on your health and wellness is lifting the community up. So we we need to do that. And again, Mm. we only I can't I can't service everyone. Even if we're all we can't service everyone. So to have that camaraderie and to have Mm. that, you know, that connection. And, And again, on the weekend actually I was at a party and 
someone really wants to train with us, but the times don't work. Mm. And I said, she works in near Watt Street. Great. And I knew that you went there and like a yeah. few other people. And I said, I don't know them personally, but I reckon go check this place out because the people that I that train yeah. there, I really I respect. Yeah. So it's just stuff like that. Yeah. That, yeah. I just love that. Yeah. Yeah, again, we all have so much in common and we we actually grow more when we connect on that level. Mm. Like when we can sit down and actually have a chat around how hard it is running a business and how how annoying clients can be sometimes and how <laughs> yeah, demanding and this and that. <laughs> we love them, but also like they don't realise how much F work, they have no idea how much work that you guys really do. Um, and so just being able to connect on that actually yeah. helps us all support each other and then we all are better for it. 100%. So it's like if that is triggering you, ask yourself, like, what's Why? that showing me? Because that lesson will keep coming until you learn it. <laughs> yeah. And it's just funny, I just, I've never had that. Like, I, and it's because, you know, I have my wounding, right? But my wounding isn't in a professional sense. And that's why I've been so successful, right? Mm. I've been able to really show up and just, it, I get knocked back, I get told no, I get rejected, but it just it doesn't, doesn't trigger you. It doesn't no. sink in. No, I'm just, you. I don't. I'm just like, wow, okay. Yeah. Like I'm always curious. I always look at it and ask myself, is yeah. there something here for me to learn? There always is, but I don't take it personally. Whereas in my love life, that's where my wounding is. Yeah, right. I could go on a date with a guy or I could, you know, um, you know, be not called back or whatever, and that will sort of wound me more. Right. So yeah. I do have my own. I have my shit, but yeah, it just yeah, doesn't yeah. happen to be in the career sense. Yeah. Mm. And I would agree with that. You have no. Well, from the outside, it looks like you have no fear. You just mm. jump into everything, and yeah. you know, you're like, "We'll give it a go. And yeah, we'll give this a try. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I want more women to do. Like, I'm so passionate about supporting women to do that more, take more risks, mm. believe in themselves, question their beliefs about themselves, dig down deeper into those subconscious patterns because once you break free of that as soon as your belief about yourself starts to change your reality has no choice but to change it has to follow suit so when I see and that's why like even though what I do now is different to what I did before in a in a logical sense it's still the same thing it's still empowering women it's still supporting women I often say that and you know but as well the what I love is to empower women or support women to do stuff that they never thought that they could. Yeah. It just so happens that right now we've got a gym. Yeah, it you just know, happens like, to if, look like in a gym. Yeah, if, but the lessons. If it, exactly. If it wasn't a gym, I don't mm. know what else it would be, but it's that yeah. that core and I think that's probably what's always united us. It's just to, mm. you know, and, and it's what I it's almost selfish in a way because inspiring and holding space for people like that continues to then hold me accountable yes. to keep on doing it. yeah because yeah. they're always a reflection of you too well I was just gonna yeah. I was just about to like <laughs> take it off on another tangent yes. but yeah you've already covered that before like we invite things in mm. unknowingly or mm-hmm. knowingly to then you know teach learn. us and you know on that point sometimes I think that I've learned the lesson I'm like mm. why is this coming up again I'm mm. like oh oh gotta I learn it even deeper head, not in, in your body heart. yes yeah so, Nez, if we were to, I guess, use some of the things we've spoken about today, like we're coming towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. With this, you know, this will be our last podcast mm. of the year. Yeah. Um, so it's not quite Christmas yet, but around this time, and I guess often, at, you know, between that Chrissy New Year weird, what day of the week is it, people do tend to reflect. So mm. what I'd really like to um, give the listeners is something like not through a what did I do this year, what didn't I do, mm. blah, 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 but ha- from an emotional landscape, mm. like looking inwardly, what's a helpful way to, I guess, a- assess the year? Mm. Again, with curiosity, not judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe we'll just see where that conversation takes us, like without getting yep. too much into predicting, but, but how can we um, 
I guess, yeah, compassionately review the year from yeah. that in- emotional landscape rather than it be a pass or fail. Mm. Like what, how, totally. what's your advice? Yeah. Well, the way I like to, so a lot of the work that I do is around teaching people to understand their emotional home. Now, your emotional home are the sort of three to four to five emotions that you notice yourself feeling. Like, And we're talking about, okay, so you've got the emotional wheel, right? So that's something like 100 different emotions that you can feel. There are primary emotions and then there are secondary emotions. Is that emotions. something we could attach in yes, the show notes? Yes, yes. Definitely, yeah. I can send you a copy. Yeah. So the um, and if you, you know if you can't look at it in the copy, if you just search emotion wheel on Pinterest, yeah. loads will pop up. Right. Okay. Now, second primary emotions are things like anger, sadness, happiness. Um, so the uh, big ones. Yeah, the big ones, yeah. and then you've got your secondary that come off that. So say, for instance, anger. Your secondary emotions are things like resentment, annoyance, frustration, irritation. Um, sadness. Your secondary emotions are things like loneliness, um, re- neglect. Um, isolation, shame, you know, fear, Mm. anxiety, nervousness, Mm. um, insecurity, inadequacy. Now, I'm of the belief, like we're living through one of the most challenging mental health pandemics we've ever witnessed and it will only continue to get worse until we understand this. I'm not a fan of telling people to call this number or call that number. We all have a responsibility to do this work so that we can hold space for these conversations with other people, but we don't know how to do that till we do that for ourselves. We can't ever, like you imagine, right, if you asked me to come in and teach a class at Pineapple but I'd never learnt how to train in the gym myself, it would be really challenging. So we have to do this work for ourselves. So I think one, and and so many parents come to me and they're like, oh, can you work with my kids really struggling with anxiety? No, I'm not going to work with them. I'll work with you because if you continue to go home and and they continue to play out that scenario, they're only projecting what you're suppressing. Child will express what the adults suppress every time. (laughs) So it's always a lesson. So for me, I'm a big believer if when people come to me and talk about anxiety, I try to just break that down and say, okay, so you're probably living, you've probably lived in an environment in your home where you lived with a lot of fear, insecurity, and instability. Is that right? Or even chaos. Now, people that come with me to me with depression often lived in a home with lots of um, anger and sadness. So maybe a lot of loneliness, disconnect, neglect, shame. And it's often mm-hmm. always the case. I've, I'm yet to have anyone challenge that really yeah. when you dig deep. So, and this can be challenging because. A lot of people say, no, 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 I came from a really good home. My parents loved me. But what we then dive down into and understand is your parents did love you and did the best that they could and they're so invested in you, but also they were crossing boundaries. They were not understanding your needs. They were emotionally not able to support you through your emotional challenges in yeah. life. So it's just worth recognising two things can be true at the same time. This isn't about like parenting is something I'm so passionate about. I'm not a parent myself. I'm sure that when I become one, it will lift off a whole other, you know, stuff. I'm not saying it's not about criticizing parents. It's not about that at all. It's not about saying our parents are responsible for our emotions. Mm. What it is, is just recognizing we are a product of the environment that we grew up in, in our childhood Mm. home. And I wish more people understood that because we would heal so much quicker and faster if we understood that. Mm. I was diagnosed with depression 20 years ago and I went to therapy. I tried everything but medication for 15 years. I've healed more in the last five years of understanding this work than I have in 20. And, you know, really, like, healed it. So for me, like, I was suicidal. Mm. Like, I was literally, like, oftentimes standing at the top of Strezlecki, like, Mm. willing myself to step off the ledge because I was so, like, desperate for that pain to end. Mm. So desperate for that pain to end. So 
this is why I do tell people I can help people with their mental health and heal it because I know it. I've done it myself. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't sit here and say to me that I have not done that work. Mm. Yeah. I fucking will t- like. I will go to town with you every day of the week and I've helped dozens of other people do the same thing. Mm. So you can come at me with all your diagnostics. I do not care. I will sit down with you and challenge you every day of the week. Mm. That's how firm about this I am. Now, um, so the first thing I want to encourage people to do is just check in with what yeah. are you feeling most of the time. When So you've got half the wheel that's sort of if like higher um, vibration emotions. So they're lighter, right? Things like joy, happiness, contentment, peace, love. Yeah. They're emotions we want to feel, obviously. But we do have bad days, things happen, so then you go into the heavier side. It's not good or bad, positive or negative. Emotions are just data and directives for things that we need to change and look at. I love yep. that. Yeah, it's so important to recognise that. Like, well, it's how would, we talk about food and exercise yes. and stuff too. Like, it's not good or bad. Yes. There's just, Let, it's just data. It's things to yes. recognise and then with that you can shift and change. So if it, we were sitting here and, you know, all these people are outside of this um, studio, right, if a, if a truck, you know, barged into this office and killed five people, would it be appropriate for us to continue sitting here in joy, happiness, peace, contentment? <laughs> No. It would be weird, Absolutely. wouldn't it? That would yeah. be un- that would be, be actually psychopaths. It'd be like, why yes. are you not understanding what's going mm. on here? So it would be natural for us to feel shock and like fear and anger and you know all these other emotions. Yeah, it would be so natural. Mm. But what happens is when we have when it's a physical, like when people are presented with a physical reason, they tend to accept it more. Yeah. But when it's an emotional thing that's gone long unmet, they tend to question themselves, why, why, why? Yeah, and often what I see is I can put this really easily. Usually there's a boundary being crossed or there's a need not being met. Yeah. It's usually one of those two things. So mm. for me, my emotional home was shame rejection they were the two big ones loneliness sadness and what was the other one um god there there is another one but i can't think of it confusion right Mm. so they were the things that you felt the most yes yes above other emotions. So sometimes yes. you'd feel happy and all that, but they're your five yeah. main ones. Yeah. Well, yeah, like most of the time I would be, I would say, a fairly, a fairly happy, content person, especially out in public and with my friends and family. Mm-hmm. But my default when things, like when I would have a conflict with a family member or a friend or a partner or um, something might happen at work, like I felt rejection a bit at work, like if someone would leave and go to another mm-hmm. gym, um, I would often experience. That, that's your default. That's my yeah, default. Yeah. yeah. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. And so what's interesting, when you start really tuning in and every time you feel something ask yourself what is it write it down over and over and over you'll always see even though they're different experiences and different um incidents you'll feel the same things over and over i've worked with that many people over the last 18 months Mm. and they can have something happen with a kid something happen at work something it's always that same wound but everyone has different right Mm. so i work with clients who right now i've got quite a few women that really struggle with anxiety so there's things like i feel really misunderstood i feel um really um confused i feel really um angry like i feel really frustrated resentful you know, or then I'll work with people who feel a lot of anger, feel a lot of, um, you know, agitation. I, f- I work with people who feel a lot of um, betrayal and vi- being violated. Now, when you go back, now, when I go back into my childhood and I start to recall the experiences of my first seven years, it makes so much sense mm. that I feel shame and rejection so often. Now, I have a very, a, a fairly... Um, amicable relationship with my father right now. 
I've done a lot of healing to get to that place. But also I can recognize that some of the experiences that happened were a result of the way he treated me. Now, when I go even further back, my father experienced a lot of shame and rejection in his upbringing. So he's projected his pain onto me unknowingly, right? He was sent to boarding school at the age of three. He was hearing impaired. He often felt very misunderstood. No one could communicate with him properly. He was, like, raised by people not his parents, you know, for, like, boarding school, right? Like, sent away for weeks at a time. Exactly. And he was deaf. (laughs) Deaf. So he was, a, you know, he was hurt. He was all these things, right? So when I came along, and I didn't know this at the time, but I was not his biological daughter. So he met my mum when she'd already had me, took me on, but we were very poor. So I think he lived with a lot of resentment that he had to raise another child that wasn't his. Mm. So uh, there were so many moments. Like when I think about, I remember this moment when I was six or seven and we just moved to a different suburb And that afternoon I'd asked my mum if I could go and play with some friends from school. I'd just met them and she said, yep, that's fine, be back before dark. So they took me down and we played at this this creek right near where I lived and um, they played a prank on me where they sort of, we were playing hide and seek and they took off. And I did not know where I was. Like I literally, I was like, and it was getting dark, right? So I had no idea where I was. I was trying to find my way home. I was seven years old. And I was so scared. Like I was, and I, now that I know where we were, I was like a good kilometre and a half away from where I lived. Mm. Now I finally get home. I don't know what time, but it was quite late. And my dad was so angry at me. He made, he did not let me inside. He made me sit out on the front step. Actually for, makes me want to cry. Yeah. It, I've had to go back and like sit with this moment so many times. So I, the reason I bring it up is not to punish my father. Mm. It's to help yeah. people understand when I go back to that moment and mm. I think about the shame and the rejection mm. and the confusion I felt on that doorstep, I'm a seven-year-old girl, I've been lost, I've been scared, All I've I finally found my way home, I just want to hug and I just yeah. want to be told that I'm safe, I just want to be told that I'm okay. it's, I'm so glad you're home, we mm. were so worried about you, mm. but I was made to sit out on the front step for another hour or so. It makes so much sense that that as an adult I still can revert back to that moment when I'm rejected by people. Yeah. And you know what? I can talk about this without getting upset because I have gone back to that moment over and over and over and been the parent for myself that I needed, that I didn't get. Yeah. So I have forgiveness for him because I can actually go back and be that parent for myself. Yeah. And And that's that's key, isn't it? It's not to go there because I know the work that I've done there would be a, a big lot of guilt kind of sitting on my shoulder yes. like not wanting to go back there and yeah. mm. accuse parents of doing mm. you know but to actually just go like they did mm. they did do the best of what yeah. they could there was love great well, love there but it's just well, doesn't mean that it met what mm. I needed in them well I've done a lot of work in going like because there was a lot of confusion right so for me what's the opposite of confusion clarity so how do I get clarity okay maybe I go into his experience a little bit Okay, how might it have been for him? Like if he was there, I'm guessing he genuinely was worried about me and that when I came home he was he wanted to punish me so that I would never do that again because he wanted to keep me safe. Yeah. Mm. So that was his way of doing that, okay? So I can, I can sort of hold both of those things yeah. in the one, you know, spectrum without hating him and without making him wrong. 
without yeah. telling, projecting onto him because I go into my own experience and validate that so much. I felt so scared. I felt so confused. I felt so ashamed. I felt so lonely. Mm. Yeah. When you do that, when you actually sit with your own experience and validate it and be okay with it and let it be there, you actually don't need to do anything else. You don't need anyone else to. You don't need to make anyone else right or wrong because your experience is being validated. Yep. So I think a lot of people get so confused because they think, well, if I validate theirs, what about me? No, yeah, no, no. I we get start, lost in We that start thing. with that first. Yeah. Mm. So that the, so for me, I would invite people, ask yourself, what are your top five emotions that you notice yourself defaulting to mm-hmm. when things don't feel good? Start to get the wheel, start to jot them down over and over and over. Now, my rejection and shame have played out in my relationship so much that that because I have not processed those things, I haven't been able to have a relationship with somebody, deeper, a connected relationship, because the minute my shame comes up, I push them away because I'm so fearful of feeling that pain from childhood. Hmm. Now, as I process this more and more and be with it, be with it in my body and feel it all, those relationships have gotten healthier and healthier and healthier. And it's an interesting thing, right? Like, so for me, projection is my default. I don't, there are four ways that we invalidate when we don't know how to validate an emotion. Project, which is pointing the finger, you did this or you did that or you made me feel this. Then there's dismiss, like just literally it's not a big deal, get over it. Then there's minimise. Well, other people have it worse than you. Like, well, so, what about this? You shouldn't feel that way because this is so much worse. And then there's deflect. Use humour or distraction to just move out of it because you feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mine is project, right? So... I remember a moment only about a year ago where I was away with some girlfriends for a weekend and there'd been a moment with a car. I didn't have my seatbelt on. We were getting out of the car park. I had to jump out of my my seat to open the door, got back in, forgot. We're driving along and um, one of my friends notices it and she is immediately like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Like, I can get in trouble. I'm driving. I could lose my license, blah, blah, blah. So I immediately feel all this shame come up. Now, in the past, what I would have done was I would have just bitten back. I would have just been like, you know, I would have gone into defensiveness and just like... Is that projection? That's projection because right. I'm unwilling to sit with my shame right now and fully feel it. Yeah. I'm going to blurt it onto you. Spew it out. Spew you it back. Have, yeah. So I remember that moment think, noticing like, oh, wow, I'm feeling a lot of shame coming up in my body right now. Like I could feel the heat rising yeah. in me. And so what I did was I just put my hands on my knees and I wound down the window and I looked outside and I just focused on the trees and I focused on my breath. I was just focusing on breathing and not responding. And I was just like, it's okay for you to feel this shame right now. This Obviously you feel shame because you feel bad because you made a mistake. You are not a bad person. You made Mm. a mistake. Mm. So I'm literally coaching myself in that moment and I'm looking at the trees and just breathing and I'm letting myself have a little tear. I'm letting myself cry. It's okay for you to feel this way. You can feel this without needing anyone else to change. And so I just sat there and then beautifully one of my friends reached over and put her hand on mine and felt my hand and she was like, you okay? And I was like, that moment would never have happened if I'd gone into that conflict and just played it out like I would have in the past. So that is an example of feeling your shame. When someone says something to you or does something and you feel it come through the body, can you sit with that and breathe and just go inward and actually just be with it and be kind to yourself and let it move through you? Now, ironically, when we do that, it only lasts 90 seconds. It came and (laughs) went and I was able to get out of the car and move on with my day. I was able to sit in her experience and go, wow, 
She's just got a new job. Mm. She hardly has any points. She's got an amazing job with a new car. Of course she's scared right now. Yeah. Of course. That makes so much sense. It's not about me. It's not about me. Yeah. Even though I make it mean that about me because in my childhood that's what I felt a lot. Yeah. Because in childhood, right, if a parent – what we have to recognise is so much of our unworthiness comes from a parent being unavailable to Mm. us emotionally because what happens in childhood is if a parent is an alcoholic or – like projects onto us or hurts us, whatever it is, we are conditioned. Like we, all we need and want is love by those two people. So when that is not able to happen, we make that mean something about us. We don't sit there. I couldn't once sit there and think, oh, wow, my dad grew up in, you know, a, a boarding home, felt really rejected by his family and drank and smoked to cope with his pain and now he's projecting that out onto me. No. You don't, you're that logical. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not, I wasn't even doing that until the last couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in my late 30s figuring that out, you yeah. know. I may, but what I'm doing is, oh, wow, my father doesn't love me. There must be something wrong with mm. me. Yeah. Or like, oh, my parents are telling me I shouldn't be worried about that. Oh, that must be me. Mm. Oh, my parents are turning away from me right now. Right? Like they're telling me I shouldn't be angry. Oh, I should, like, love is taken away because I express this. I have to learn how to shut that down so I never feel that again because, I don't want to lose. We're every day aiming for two things, love and safety. Yeah. Yeah. So there are so many ways we learn how to sacrifice that in order to stay loved and accepted. So being able to sit with that shame and process it is so important and so many people hate that word. The minute I say, do you feel a bit of shame there? Oh, no, no, no. It's not shame. But really, like, it often is. It's Mm. just we don't want to accept that that's an emotion we might feel. Mm. And I would argue the more that you deny that emotion, the more it holds over you. I think, is it Brene Brown talks about, like, Guilt and shame, yes. And there's a diff- there's a difference between guilt. Yeah, and shame. she does. Guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am something I am, bad. Yeah. But I would still say they're closely linked. For sure. Yeah. For sure, guilt but- guilt is a sense of shame that it's like oh I can't because guilt usually comes from owning your own needs. Yeah. Mm. So guilt often comes from. I'm so over-focused outwardly on others and pleasing others. So when it comes to me actually showing up for myself, I feel guilty because mm-hmm. other people, and usually it's because a parent projected that guilt onto you, their, their own guilt. So you learn it's not safe for me to show up for myself. Yeah. I shouldn't. Does that resonate? Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. And I think it's it's not that one's better or worse, but it's almost like guilt is a, is a thing mm. where shame is me. <laughs> yeah. Guilt, so for me, my shame is like, yeah, my, it's like me actually being like as a human being, not being good enough, like not yeah, being yeah. worthy, not being mm. that, like worthy of love. Whereas guilt is more like when you start to act out, showing yeah. up, you know, it's more, action, it's rather, more yeah. the action, but it's yeah. still rooted in shame mm. because it's still like, oh, I feel bad about myself for doing this for myself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and what I would say is when you start to go, kind of go deeper, right, if you play out the whole people-pleaser, narcissist sort of scenario, so I, I would say I have in my life been a classic narcissist, right? So in childhood it was safer for me to, because of the way my father projected so much of his emotion and the way that the home, the whole house revolved around him, it was safer for me to turn inward and go inward and focus on my own self in order to survive. So I was very disconnected. I grew up very disconnected. Like I could be sitting in a room and talking and I would be so detached from, like if we were having a challenging discussion and you were starting to feel triggered, Mm. everyone else would notice it way before I would. Mm. I was so disconnected. I could Mm. not see that I might be triggering you. So I've had to work really hard 
people pleasers the other way. It's more outwardly focused yeah. and abandoning the self, right? Yeah. So it's the complete opposite, but they both come from the two same coin, the same wound of unworthiness. Mm. So for me, I've had, and the growth comes from the opposite of what you normally do. So for those people pleasers, they tend to feel guilt when because they're so used to focusing on outside of them externally. So that's why I don't really experience a lot of guilt because I'm so used to focusing internally. Mm-hmm. But my work is to focus outwardly. So I, I have to put in my calendar like check in on this person because she's going through this or don't forget to message that person or like I have to actively really work mm-hmm. to focus outward and the people around me that I love. Yeah. Whereas people pleasers, they actually need to do the opposite mm-hmm. and focus inward yeah. and like what is it that I need right now? It's okay for me to show up for me right now. It's really interesting. I hadn't actually... You know, mm. heard it explained that way, but mm. yeah, that's, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's just like my brain's just kind of like mm. yeah. it's all it's you're thinking insight. about. Yeah. Of course, so yeah. that's a and and what I want to say to people is like the minute this is why I hate pop psychology so much because people tend to you know label like he's a narcissist, she's this, she's that. Well, I was a narcissist for so long, and I've been able to heal and been able to work towards you know becoming more whole and more conscious and but. Me being a narcissist, like I never intentionally set out to hurt anybody. It was just my conditioning. It was the way I was raised and it was the way the term gaslighting, right? The reason why we gaslight people is like my partner, ex, Chris, could have easily said at that time I was gaslighting him, right? Mm. But when I look back at the person I was, I was just so afraid and so scared and so full of shame. I did not know. I remember sitting there going, because we both wanted it to work, right? He was like, I do love you, but mm. something feels so bad. And then I was like, well, why can't we figure this out? <laughs> I remember very clearly on the last day we spent together, like, why can't we figure this out? And it was because my shame was so great and so was his mm. that he probably did feel gaslighted a lot because he was sharing stuff with me. I just was unable to understand it. It mm. wasn't that I was intentionally shutting him down. So let's learn to let go of these terminologies yeah. because when we don't, we become stuck. We As do that person. We do not get to empower ourselves to move out and start mm. to create more understanding both ways. Mm. Not one person is waking up and going out and trying to ruin anyone else's day. We're all doing the best that we can. And if you do mm. rewind back to, you know, children are all born, mm. you know. and Worthy, whole, loving. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we... Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think you could look at a newborn baby and say, I can tell you're just a narcissist (laughs) waiting to get this, waiting till you're grown enough to. And so that helps me come back to empathy for everyone. Mm -hmm. But again, it's got to be an intention rather than if you just, I find if I Mm. just let things keep on going, that mindfulness and that intention, which Mm. then I need to go into my head first to then allow it to drop into my heart. but, yeah, that, yeah, that's just – and we just never know product, what people are walking with, that's what right. they have walked yes, and exactly. what they're walking with now and where they are And it might not even it might not even – a lot of people I work with really struggle because they're like, I don't get it. I think – I felt like I had such a good childhood. So it can be like – you know, there can be um, big trauma, which is like abuse, um, neglect, yeah. violence – um, tragedy, you know, yeah. war, things like that. And then there are, there's little trauma, which is not being understood, not being emotionally supported and cared for, not having having a parent that's too busy to spend time with you. Mm. Like that is a big one, right? Yeah. We, we are living in an environment where we've never been so stressed and overworked and we cannot ignore the result of that on our children. Like mm. I don't care. You can sit and tell me the cost of living is so high. That 
all well and good. Mm. You need to understand what that is, what you are sacrificing at the other mm. end of that because it is your child's mental health. There is too much. Mm. Start, like Gabor Mate says, the best antidote for a child's mental health is two loving con- and present parents. Mm. You know, I had a client recently who was sitting there. She's really you know, so distant from her husband, their kids are struggling, one's got anxiety, one's got depression, and she's just so lost and she's saying to me, it's the government's fault, they, they're they making it, the cost of living too high and yet they've just spent half a million dollars on a renovation in Meriwether. And I said to her, did you ever once at one point ask yourself, okay, we want to buy this property, that means we're both going to have to work, that means our kids are going to be put into daycare from such a young age, that means we're going to be getting home at 6 o'clock, that means this, you know. Mm. Have you ever asked yourself mm. what is the price you're going to pay for that and she looked at me with such rage and I said I'm sorry but if you don't start to ask yourself these questions you will never find that connection with your kids could you have said we're going to buy a house in Wall's End and we're going to buy a two-bedroom home and I'm not going to work and I'm going to stay home with the kids mm. while you go to work mm. or we're both going to work part-time, whatever we're it is you want to do. Yeah. But yeah, we're like going to be present and connected and loving and spend time with our kids so that we can focus on their emotional and mental well-being yeah. and then later when they go to school and they, they're a bit more secure, then we'll go back to work and then we'll do the dream home. Mm. I'm not here to judge anyone's choices. I'm here to ask yourself, there's a reason why you feel so stuck. Yeah. And sometimes it is the choice that you've made. Yeah. Sometimes you make a choice because you want to keep up with the Joneses rather than understanding, well, actually kids need a lot of time. Kids basically need attention and love 24-7 until they're 18. Yeah. It's a lot. Basically. Yeah. Um, do you know, and I think just on what you said, whether some people might be doing it to keep up with other people, but I think without taking the time to just sink a little bit deeper, it's easy to just go, well, that's what you do. You get a nice yeah. house, you renovate it, you do this. And it's just, what it's we just do. not taking the time to actually, to ask, actually ask those questions. And as you were just talking before, like you spoke about the emotional wheel before, it's almost like you need a wheel. It's like at the top level, if I renovate a home, yeah. what, are those, that? what are those four things yes. that you're sacrificing there? You know, like it would be really yes. Yes, exactly. To a decision wheel. Yeah, or how something. about we journey into the future? Like, actually, how, like, because I have my clients, like, I've got a client right now, they're going through a breakup. I've been working with them for 12 months. They really got to a place where I thought they were going to heal. And there's been another fracture, so they're going separate ways. Now, she's talking about moving herself and doing this and doing that. Now, I already know this client suffers with overwhelmed stress and burnout. So I said to her, like, hey, this time of change for your kids is one of the most critical times right then your parent you're t- you two separating you know I think you need to make the decisions that are going to allow you to be as present and as calm mm. and peaceful and like really feeling okay as possible in that transition so is you moving everything and building all your furniture yourself the right way to do that <laughs> or is it worth spending a thousand dollars to get removalists in to do it so that you can literally spend those few days settling in, being more calm, not being so stressed. And she was like, yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. Mm. It's like this is what we have to do, right? We have to ask ourselves, like, if I walk down that path, like what is my emotional home? What am I addicted to? Mm. Am I going to default into that? Because when you are in those heavier vibrational emotions, you are literally unable to connect with your kids. Mm. You are emotionally unavailable to connect with anyone Mm. because you you are like I can't. I actually am pretty good. Like if I'm sad because because that's one of my core emotions, right, because I am so aware, I can be sad and still be connected. Like yeah. I went through that big breakup, right, and then I lived with my sister for a little while. And I, at first, because I didn't really, hadn't started doing a lot of this work, I was crying 24-7. So she has, I have a beautiful niece and nephew that I just adore. 
I was very fearful of them seeing me that way. And I'm so grateful for my sister. She was like, no, they have to know it's normal to feel grief mm. and sadness when the relationship ends. And I was like, wow, of course. <laughs> my sister's such a huge, you know, source of inspiration for me in my healing. And um, so I now, like if I'm feeling sad, they come to me and they're mm. like, are, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm just feeling a bit sad today. And they don't make it mean anything. Yeah. They don't ask why. Do you know what they do? They just go, okay, do you want a cuddle? Yeah. You know, I just think. And I'm like, yes, I'd love a cuddle. And so I can actually bring them in. I can have them with me and I can be a bit flat and I can feel comforted and I don't need to change. I don't need to do anything mm. different. And it's just like they mm. just get it. Mm. So we actually can learn so much from them. Oh, yes. It's, it's so interesting. I'm so, just circling back to my, you know, your what I was talking about with Dottie. Yeah. You know, yes. Yeah, ask nice. yourself. Ask, the biggest thing you can ask yourself, when she's having this outburst, two things. What is coming up in me? What emotions? What emotions do I think are coming up in her? Mm. And you might find there's a crossover. Mm. Yes. No, I... I think just some more presence and awareness. Yes. Like, you know, that's yes. those, what you've just said are yeah. not foreign concepts, mm. but I think I get so in the moment and I'm like analysing rather mm. than just being, being yeah. and, you know, thinking about what are the feelings, what are the things coming. Mm. And that's, this is the thing, right? Like, and when I first started this journey, I used to think like I was a kind of auntie. People would write to me because I used to post about them a lot on Instagram. I don't anymore because my pub, my account's public and it's, yeah. Yeah. you know, followers and stuff. But, um, People used to say to me, gosh, she's such a good aunt. You know, I'd hang out with them all the time, take them and do things. So I, I used to think, no, I'm a, I'm a good auntie. Yeah, like, I'm really present. <laughs> but then I started reading Gabriel Mate's book, um, The Gifts, uh, the Myth of Normal, which I recommend every mm, parent read, right. every single parent, if, if not person on the planet. Um, and I started to understand. I was like, wow, I, I do take my phone when I'm with them a lot. And I am on my phone a lot. And there are little things that they ask me to do and play. And I, I kind of... I really noticed something, right? I noticed that, yes, I do tend to struggle to be fully present with them. Mm. So what I decided to do was not – when I'd go around there, I'd leave my phone in the car. And anytime they'd ask me to do anything, I'd say yes. Now, my t- he loved to play Lego, so I'd play Lego with him, right? And I would notice the first few times I'd do it, I'd sit down and I'd feel uncomfortable. A bit, a bit antsy. Yeah. yeah. And then I'd play for a few minutes and I'd be like, all right, let's – like what I'd want to tap out. And then I would notice this. I would be like, why can I not just sit here and just play Lego with him for 10 minutes? So I started to set myself a little goal, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 15 minutes. You know, I just started to yeah, sort of go. Yeah. And then he started to observe this like pink and purple and yellow Lego that I used to always, I just used to naturally pick out those colours. And then this one day I came over and he was like, let's go play Lego. And I was like, okay. And he'd gone and picked out all the pink and purple and yellow Lego for me. He goes, look at all this extra Lego we've got. I picked it out for you. And I was like, I just bawled my eyes out. Now, what I realised was my inability to be present with them was actually a reflection of my inability to be present with myself. Mm. You know, now I do this thing where I, I try to push out the laughter and the presence. So... We love to wrestle, right? Now, in the past, I used to wrestle with them for like five or ten minutes and then I'd be exhausted and I'd be like, all right, that's enough. (laughs) But now I wrestle and wrestle and wrestle until they give up. We play hide and seek. I keep playing and playing and playing until they tell me they don't want to play anymore. Yeah, right. And I know I'm not a parent. I've got all these jobs to do. But I would argue that most parents don't do that anywhere near enough. There's always Mm. something else to be done. Can I challenge you to just say to yourself, well, actually, what is the most important thing right now? Is Mm. it connecting with my kid? Can that cleaning, can that cooking Mm. be done later? Or am I using that as a distraction? And do you know what actually is? Do you know what I found out about myself? 
I actually had a resistance to feeling joy. Yeah, right. <laughs> because when I would be with them, I noticed I would start to feel joy. And because I was emotionally addicted to feeling shame, sadness, loneliness, and confusion, it actually felt very uncomfortable to me to start to feel other emotions for an extended period of time Mm. for no real reason. Wow. So I started learning so much of my healing journey was through actually letting myself feel those emotions more and more and Mm. let myself be there, like sit in those emotions Mm. frequently. So most parents, I would argue, the same. They're so stressed. Yeah. They actually, they're so addicted to their stress. They actually don't feel comfortable feeling just peace and joy in the present moment without doing anything. But they would say that the children are the most important things in their life. Yes, exactly. So mm. you need to understand they need your presence. They need your love. They need yeah. your laughter. They need your play every single day, 10 minutes a day minimum, mm. if not more. If you can do more. Like as much as you can, mm. but minimum, like they need you to play with them. They need you to play with them. Yeah, right. And like that is running around playing hide and seek for as long as they want to. Like just notice. That's the part when you were just saying that before. Mm. I'm like, this yeah. is one for years. No, but even but even if it's more than, like I'll say to, I'll say to Dot, she loves playing hide and seek at the moment and she's like, I'm like, all right, two hides. Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting rules around our joy. No, yeah. I do. I'm like, I'm like, I'm setting a boundary. In one sec, yeah. and then we'll do you hide two times, I'll hide two times, and then we're done. Or, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. And just ask yourself, what's that? Like, yeah, isn't no. that interesting that I'm having to pre frame that? Now, I'm the same, and I don't even have kids. Like, yeah. if they ask me, I've got to get I'd the dinner, like, and I've got to do the this, and I've got to. this afternoon, mm. so. But do you really? No. Yeah, well, I do. No, could, could I play another half? Could I play but for you, half an hour? You know, when you just, just like do that thing where it's like, but why? You know, mm. kids often do that to you, but why? And you're like, mm. you have an answer. And then they ask you again, and you're like, you get to yeah. a point very quickly where you're like, I don't know. Yeah. Just because I the said. jobs are real. They do yeah. exist. Yeah. That's not a lie. Like, yeah. you know, you do have shit to do. But if you were to ask yourself, what's my priority? Mm. Like, of course, it's going to be your kids' and, mental health. And that's right, right. And this is the thing. People always say, I ask people, what are the most important things to you? What are your values? Mm. Oh, my family. Yeah. But the reason you feel so stuck is because you're not living in alignment with that. Because if you were, there's no way you'd be at work as late as you are. There's no way you'd be on your phone at home 24-7. There's no way you don't realise that you're actually not living in your values. But we also don't realise that we often have choice. And yes. To change. Things. Yes. People feel like we're stuck. Yes. Yeah, their story is that have, I have to do. And this, this will trigger yeah. a lot of people. And mm, if it triggers yeah. you, I invite you to sit with that. Because guess what? Nothing triggers us unless we believe it. Yeah. On some level. <laughs> like if someone came to yeah. me and like say for instance, I'm a woman that's had body image issues, right? Mm. Now, imagine if I've gone up and down in my weight, I've really tied a lot of my self-worth to my the way I look, and someone says to me, Wow, you're looking like something about the way I look, anything at all, right? I, I will automatically be triggered by that because of my journey. Now, if I'm someone that has always had a great relationship with my body, I'm, I love the way I feel, I feel fit, I feel strong, and I'm really not, I don't attach my self-worth, someone says something like that, I'm probably going to laugh. And I'll be like, oh, that's a weird thing to say because <laughs> I don't believe it. Yeah. You only are triggered by something yeah. if you deep down believe it 100%. to be true. Do you know, yeah. so you just explained me before that like my journey is body image stuff. So if someone says something, I will take it to heart and I even think in childhood but now. But also the other thing, if someone says something positive, in yeah. the moment I'll shoot it down but yeah. I do think about that later mm. and I just, mm. it's just, yeah, just interesting. See, this is the other thing, right? I work with a lot of, like I've just helped a client right now. Her mother makes a lot of comments on the way she looks and she actually you know, it's a lot of compliments, right? Mm. 
But even in that, like, because she said to me, well, because not only will she make compliments, she will also make comments about her eyebrows or this or that, like, oh, you've got a pimple or this, that, and it really bothers her, right? She mm. notices herself getting quite anxious. And mm. and I said to her, hey, like, can you learn to set a boundary with your mum? Like, hey, mum, I'm actually trying really hard to work on the way I mm. f- relate to my body and my image. I'd really appreciate it if you just didn't make any comments about the way I look. Mm. And she's like, but what about the positive ones? And I'm like, the positive ones still on a very deep subconscious level send you the message that you are worthy when you look good. A certain way. So mm. why don't you just ask for no comments at all? I actually just want to be neutral. Please just don't comment on the way I look at all. Thank you so much. I know you're only trying to help, but I actually this is something I'm working on for yeah. myself. Mm. So women can really do that with their friends too. I see this a lot in friendship groups. Like people talk about, you look so good or you're looking this and that just have a conversation say hey I'm trying to work on this Mm. I would appreciate it if we just didn't make comment on that Mm. please just don't comment on it at all it is a boundary I've set with my girls about like we don't we don't talk about other people's bodies not just women's bodies or men's bodies we just don't talk about them like Mm. we can talk about like something that they did that was really strong Mm. or you know so it's I've never I guess I've never just put it into other contexts like that yeah. that are so powerful. It's everywhere. It's everywhere, mm. women especially. So I just encourage you. Just And when we set a boundary, what people get fearful of is, oh, well, a boundary is a wall that I'm putting up. And it's like, and I think some of the pop psychology stuff does really touch on that. Like it's like this, you know, boundary that you're setting to control someone. But actually what a boundary is, is I love you and I want to have a relationship Mm. with you and this is what's going on for me. This is some other stuff Mm. that I'm working through. I want, I'm trying, I would love for us to understand each other better so we can move forward in a way that the relationship feels better for me. It's an invitation. That's amazing. It's such an an invitation. And it's a huge amount of vulnerability that you need to demonstrate. So I guess like setting a boundary isn't a wall when you're actually setting it being vulnerable yeah. and it's saying an this is how it is. As, that you really want to have a friendship still with that person. Yeah. You wouldn't put a boundary. <laughs> That's right. So what, what people do is, but what they do is because they can't have that conversation, they actually suppress themselves yeah. but they naturally distance themselves. Mm. Yeah, so the relationship true. ends up getting worse and, and actually does end up disintegrating because you're feeling all of this and they're not mm. getting you but you're actually creating it because you're not being honest and open and communicative about what's going on for you. So that's your work, right? And a boundary, I think we think about a boundary like the boundary of of our um, houses, right? You know, like so, don't, don't come over it. onto yes. my boundary. So boundaries, it's not to keep a person out; no. it's actually drawing them closer. Exactly. But it's just saying this is my rules, yes, or well, my terms yeah. of well, engagement. It is, it is yeah. drawing them closer because yeah. oftentimes, when I encourage my clients to share that, they'll always come back to me and say, "Oh, my mum or my friend or my coworker didn't even know that I was struggling with that," and they were just so blown away and they felt so like they were so sympathetic to that. And I'm like, and wanting See, to support yeah. you yeah. have created connection and an emotional connection and more like understanding between the two of you because you've actually shared something that's going on for you that that person wasn't even aware of. So they're stepping on and encroaching on your boundary, which you're not even aware of. They, they weren't even aware of. Mm. So now that you've brought that up, you can both, they can be more they mindful can be of loving that to, yeah, and absolutely. be accommodating of that. Mm. And if, of course, if the person continually ignores it, that's when you consider the relationship. But you need to do that first before you just start naturally withdrawing and distancing yeah. yourself from them. Mm. And that's what a lot of people do because to have that conversation feel so like, challenging. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Nez, wow. so, so, so much gold. Like I said, we, we're at one hour 20 now. <laughs> I told you I could talk all day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, it's amazing though. Like, but it's, uh, we haven't wanted to kind yeah, of yes, I love at it. all. But we will um, start to wrap it up now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there is lots of ways that 
women can connect mm. with you. You have your own podcast, yes. absolute gold on social media with Insta and um, Facebook. But then there's a bunch of workshops that yes. you put on and, you know, we've been talking about some things that we're going to work together um, on in the future mm -hmm. um, next year. So we'll link all of that to the show notes yep. um, so that they've, people have a – and you've got a website too, yeah, with – no, I don't no, actually have a website. I'm working on it. No, no, there's no <laughs> expectation in yes. that. But yeah, so they're all the ways that we can yeah. connect. So we um, wrap up our episodes with a biz shout out. Yes, and we were speaking about biz. one this morning and I have enjoyed beverages there with you. So <laughs> why don't I'll hand over to you. Yes. Our biz shout out for this episode is... Yeah, Mr. Sister Cafe in town. Um, they're a great little cafe. I work out of there constantly. They're so good to me and they're just such lovely kids. Like they're lovely people. The coffee's amazing. Yes. So Mr. Sister in town. Yeah. Awesome. So that's located just where that the Woolies Metro is, that yes. cool little quadrangle. Yeah. Is, is it a quadrangle? Yeah, it's, a it's like a little metro court. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I think they also have a location out at Speed Point. They do. Point yes, so they do. For, for those yeah. of you that are out that way. Yes. But, again, we are so blessed to have spent this time with Thank you, Nez. Thank you for having me. Um, and what are you most excited about for 24? Yeah, I'm excited. I've been, I'm really excited to draw more of my dreams in. I've been doing so yeah. much of this work around my unlovable wound and my shame, and so I really feel like I'm I'm on the precipice of like pulling in that partner. Yeah. I've been working on my self love um, and my own blocks. Yeah. So I, for the first time ever, like I used to feel a lot of like. Um, despair like would I ever find someone and now I actually feel a lot of hope and excitement because I know because of the work I'm doing it's coming yes. so yes. it's like I'm believing in it even though I can't see it so mm. I'm excited for that mm. that's yeah. awesome mm. thanks again so much thank Nez. you for having and, me um, yeah as always it's a pleasure and just an acknowledgement to you too like how long you've been in this industry how hard you work for these girls like I know what it's like to get up early in the morning put other people first and honestly the women have no idea how much of an like there are so many gyms that don't do anywhere near for their members what you guys do <laughs> and sense. I just think people take that for granted so just an acknowledgement to you too and how hard you work and the long like absolute long stays in this industry like it's actually amazing to witness and your branding is beautiful thank you it's amazing <laughs> I, I was saying to you the other day like I drive past you guys down at the beach in the middle of winter and you've got 30 women at outdoor boot camp and <laughs> I'm like awesome. how do you do that but it's because of you too <laughs> the culture that you said and the hard work that you put in so yeah shout out to you too thanks, thanks so much nezzy <laughs> thanks everyone we'll catch you again soon Bye. merry christmas merry christmas, oh, yeah. merry christmas. <laughs>